Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. Sharon Ramsey is a psychotherapist and a marriage and family therapist who also has many other titles, including an MDiv. I've spoken to Sharon before, and I know she has a kind and gentle spirit, which is why I thought of her when we decided to have a conversation with someone wise about how to navigate the whole vaccinated, not vaccinated, and Christmas is coming discussion. But the getting along principles that Sharon gives us here are good for all of us anytime. I'm Karen Stiller, and this conversation changed how I'm approaching these sticky situations almost immediately. So Sharon, a survey just came out that said that 50% of Canadians didn't want unvaccinated people in their homes during the holidays, even if they're family. Mm-hmm. Ah, when I read that, I kind of went, ouch, and oh no, and <laughs> what's going to happen? Are you surprised by that statistic? No. I think what happens for me is I'm curious about what's that about? It's not right. just I don't want these people in my house. There's, some, there's a story behind it. And I find in my work, that's where I want to go. Tell me what's behind it. Okay. And I guess the language, too, Mm -hmm. about uh, not wanting a certain Mm -hmm. kind of people in your home, like it just sounds so kind of harsh when we know that even behind that, there's like probably gut-wrenching, you know, decision or just Mm -hmm. discomfort between vaccinated and unvaccinated people with the situation we're in. Absolutely. I mean, who is unvaccinated? You know, is it the situation where folks have children under the age of five? Is it the situation where there are some people in the home who may already have health compromised? And so it tells you one thing, but that stat doesn't, that survey doesn't tell you the thing that would prompt someone to say, yeah, no, you're not coming in my house. Or could it be that we're, we can't be, so therefore we don't want to put you at risk? There's just lots of other things to unpack there, I think. So tell me, though, if you found yourself having to make those kinds of, or drawing those kinds of lines in the sand, say within your family or friends, how do you do that without forever damaging a relationship? So again, let's go back to this. It gives you a question, but not the question. Yeah. Is it that I never want to speak to you again? Is it that we live in small homes and so I can't guarantee that we can function in my home the way we are encouraged to by public health? Is it that it would be hard to meet together? So I do think there's some context that families could be talking about. And then are there some other options that we could explore? So does it, this gives you the impression that I will not see you over Christmas. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And it might be, I may not see you in this way over Christmas. Okay. That's a really important nuance. And that helps me think about how a person might approach the conversation at all. Like you're probably not going to call your sister up and go, by the way, you're not welcome in my house over the holidays. <laughs> you, <So> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so we know that's not the way to approach it. But you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, you could find, like, start by finding what you can do and what you are comfortable with. Absolutely. 
you know, I think, are you perhaps a sporty family? And so might you find an ice rink and someone makes sort of a reasonable winter picnic with hot chocolate and other warm things and you go for a skate, you yeah. could meet that way outside. Um, you know, is your church or place of worship, which typically has higher ceilings and it's easier to be spread apart, is that the place where you might meet? Is it a porch visit? I was toying with this idea of there's the politics of it and then there's the people behind it. Right, and if we're right. going to argue about the politics, it might be like that um, call you mentioned where I'm not going to see you at all. <laughs> if it were the people, you know, how can we do this in a way that lets us see each other face to face? And I think that would open up some space to talk about how to do this well and safely. And that kind of reminds me of last Christmas when, um, you know, we sort of were, I think most of us were in this situation of doing things really differently or doing things outside or limiting numbers and all of that. So that helps to think about it in that way this year, as opposed to excluding, uninviting, arguing. Um, if, if even given that, and I guess now I'm asking you for a a lesson in hurt feelings, mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in dealing with hurt feelings, mm -hmm. even if some people would still be hurt by that. If you're like, you know what, instead of having a big Christmas dinner this year, we're going to meet outside at the skating rink. They're, they're going to know that it's because you have different, you know, health statuses in terms of vaccination, probably. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking again with a family and close friend, because that is who we're speaking about with Christmas, probably. How can you kind of name the hurt and lean into that and make it better? Mm. Such a good question. I mean, I, I, there's this communication principle that you speak from your point of view. Okay. As opposed to pointing at somebody, you know, that you are doing this and you've done that. And I wonder what the conversation would be like if, let's say it's me and my brother, this is not the situation, but to say, you know, I'm aware that... It's going to be hard to meet again this year because of dot, dot, dot. But I would really still love to see you. What do you think might make sense? As opposed to, well, if you're not going to get vaccinated, <laughs> getting a little sassy right off the bat isn't really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I also think it's an opportunity basically to express the desire to be in relationship with that person. Now, that being said, I also wonder if there's a longing to be together because we haven't been able to be together in the same ways post-March 2020, well, actually fall 2020, and if there's a, just a, a tiredness of all of the, the caution and double-checking, it's like having this perpetual diaper bag. Is it already filled? Do we have all the things? And you just want to be able to rush out the house and see the folks you want to see. But I do think it's important for us to first express our desire for connection and then move into logistics. Okay. Your expression, having a perpetual diaper bag, yes. is so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it probably only works for, uh, you know. Those of us who've had little ones. <laughs> exactly. But mm -hmm. I know, I mean, right away, yeah, all this planning, all this mm -hmm. like worst case scenario, pack it in the bag. That's yeah. extremely helpful. Sharon, I've interviewed you a few times and and I just really noticed how you say, I wonder if, 
and I wonder about. And yeah. it's just occurred to me that you're doing that on purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that there's actually something to learn with that. I am of the opinion that sometimes we are so focused on having an answer that we don't really make time to ask the question. And so if I say, I wonder, or if, or about, or could we consider, I'm trying to say that I don't have the answer. Like I legitimately don't have the answer. I don't know how to fix this, but I do want relationship. And so how can my approach be one that puts relationship first, as opposed to the desire to be right first? Because we can always be right. We can be right and alone. And I don't know if I want to be right and alone. I want to be right and with in some way. Yeah, that's so good. I love that idea of asking questions and literally wondering out loud. Like, I wonder how we can still be together this Christmas, even with all that's going on. If you're in a conversation, and I've had these kind of conversations that teeter on the awkward, uh, and then who knows where it would go, about vaccination status, about even uh, within the Christian church community, about legislation and limitations on attendance and all those things, where I sense that things could go south in the conversation pretty quickly. How do we redirect well? Do I say, I wonder if we should stop talking about this. <laughs> I wonder if it's time for me to leave right now. <laughs> um, I guess there's something about appreciating the difficulty of the situation, right? It's not like any one person has chosen to be in pandemic lockdowns or in restricted living. None of us have chosen that on purpose. But we do find ourselves in a situation where our ability to circulate in the way we would have done in the before times has shifted. So, you know, I think about at church, for example, whereby um, seating is every other pew now and you kind of sit with your, your, sit in your bubble. Um, we were we still wearing masks. We were allowed to sing through our masks yesterday, which was wonderful. Um, and I, I keep thinking, this is a way to keep us safe. We can be together and safe. Ideas about who needs to be vaccinated and what does that show in terms of leadership or what does that show even in terms of kindness for somebody else. I imagine if I were in a conversation with someone who was not vaccinated, I don't know that I would go after them for that. I do think that I would be saying, so I took it as my responsibility to be double vaccinated. And while my health has been very, very good and I'm very fortunate, I don't know what someone else's health status is like. So these are the choices that I have made. So I am going to stand a little bit back. We're going to bump elbows or do the kid and play foot kick or something to say, hi, how are you? But I am going to hold that boundary because that's important to me because I care about you. Rather than, you know, there are all kinds of thoughts that might be in my head, but they're not useful. I'm not going to argue somebody out of their position, but I can be clear about why I've made my decision and then go from there. Yeah, I love that idea of, of holding, caring for one another in our conversation, in our posture to each other, in our politics, uh, whatever. I think that's really helpful. 
And again, I think it, it's, I feel it's important to set aside my need to be right in search of relationship. So I don't know that I have to argue with everybody. I'm pretty sure that I don't. And I'm pretty sure that if someone has made a decision, whether or not I agree is not the issue. It's how will we be in relationship based upon that decision. That's really helpful. I mean, I certainly have people in my life who have made a different choice than I did. And we didn't say this out loud, but I think we've agreed to not talk about it (laughs) and just talk about what we can talk about. For sure. As we enter into, you know, Christmas and holiday, and we also know some people will be alone. I mean, in, in some ways, it's a good problem to have to think about who can come and who can't. And it implies that we have relationships around us. But again, we're going to have people who may be alone this year. And can you just sort of remind us of how we can reach out with love to those people and why that's so important? So Karen, the first thing that comes to my mind is, do we know that people are alone? Because it seems to me that if you know that question, you've established some kind of relationship with that person. You know, I know some folks who've been quite happy (laughs) during the pandemic because they just really need, they they prefer the world to be smaller for them. So I think about, could you ask somebody, what would they like? What, how could you help make their Christmas merry? What would they be looking for? Is it possible to go for a walk? Is it possible if they're in an apartment, let's say, and so a porch visit isn't really the thing? Is it possible to drop something off, to make something, to offer something that says, hey, let's do this together. And I also wonder if in some ways the creativity of how we connect is what we're being called on to do. So I'm pretty sure that not every holiday gathering before 2020 was just roses and sunshine right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) We have had conflicts. People have done things. The the, the whole, it's grist for the the movie mill. But this year, with these restrictions, with these concerns, how do you really want to be with other people? Could we ask and offer? And maybe we find ourselves doing things that maybe are more meaningful than strictly an unthoughtful ritual. And it might be nice for folks who we know are alone and not preferring to be alone, that we would reach out to them. I just think there's an opportunity for kindness that hasn't really gone out of style. It just looks a bit different. When you said, like, yeah, this question of how do we, how do we want to be with other people? And again, this idea of the world being smaller, it made me think of, you know, after Christmas comes New Year's and people sort of sometimes sit and make New Year's resolutions or they think about what they want their year to be like. And I think we also have this moment before, you know, while we're still in the pandemic to decide how we want to live after it. And I feel already things picking up the pace. I feel, you know, as things open up, which I'm so happy about, I'm so (laughs) glad. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also don't want to completely lose some of the stillness I managed to find during COVID that because not everything was horrible for those of us who remained healthy, but 
but I, you know, living quieter lives, it, it wasn't all bad, right? How can we think about and take account of what worked well that we don't want to lose as we go forward? Such a good question. So I, I guess we've got the big things like work and school and shopping. So I think the things that we have to do, things we absolutely must do, and how can those things be done well? The things that we like to do, and how can those things be done well? The things that maybe have been a real burden and there hadn't been option before, what has the pandemic spoken to our lives about that? Maybe the classic example is for folks who work in environments that are kind of technology driven. You're pretty much at your desk with your computer. And perhaps the idea of working from home was anathema because you will not be productive and we can't trust you. And then miraculously, <laughs> people could work from home. And I wonder, is it possible, would that be something that folks would like to see some kind of hybrid? They like to go mm -hmm. in and be able to see their colleagues. And if they are accountable for their seven or eight hours, does working from home allow them to do that differently and maybe better? I wonder about those who have taken to the streets and have been walking in ravines and in forests and around parks. Has that been an important discipline for you? And if it has been, what would it take to continue it? Because clearly you've got shoes, you had some kind of outerwear, out you go. Um, those who haven't, who've been very judicious in their Zoom use, how do they connect with people? And maybe this is sort of a challenging thing to say. What are the things that have fallen off? Are there, have there been habits that because we've not been able to leave our homes with abandon, that we've just actually stopped doing and not missed? Might that space have been filled by something else that's more life-giving? I, I do think the pandemic, again, for those who have the luxury of having a slower pace, What's our give back? And then for those of us who maybe haven't stopped working, all of the people who we didn't know were essential workers, is there something about how we greet them? You know, do we, do we spend a little bit more time in the grocery store and thank people? Are we nice? I don't know. Like there's an opportunity to be different and have it mean something, not take it for granted. That I, I do think as as we move to a more op open back space that we could do because we have been doing it. It's not so much a new habit. It's been a year and change. It's an extension of something we've been doing for the past 18 to 20 months. How about relationships where we sort of started off this conversation? Because as we repopulate our lives with activity, uh, we are, we're also face-to-face -face with people again. I'm not saying I have this, but I have heard other people talking about, you know, keep shrinking their social circles a little bit, like just realizing that maybe there were some socializing they were doing that they didn't miss so much, or maybe some relationships that just were a whole lot of work and, <laughs> you know, maybe I didn't miss that person that much. And, yeah. and so how we choose to move back into, I guess, you know, dinner parties and who actually gets invited and 
not about vaccination now, but about relationship. Uh, is it okay to do that kind of cleaning of the house too? So I can use my favorite phrase again. I wonder if that was already starting to happen. <laughs> Once I wonder the- if you're right. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I... I, you know, who are the people that we turn to? Yeah. That we really made the effort to write to, phone, video chat. Like, who are those people? Facebook is one thing. Social media is one thing. But who are the people that we have experienced as life-giving and vice versa? And how do you lean into that? Again, I think the pandemic has brought a sense of essential. What's essential for me? Who's essential? How am I essential to somebody else? I can imagine that if we were to express gratitude to those folks who have shown up for us in big and small ways, we might not have that many conversations that are sort of cutting loose people, right? Because you would, they may not have been in your life. (laughs) It may not be that big of a deal, not that big of a deal. I don't mean it to be crass, but those relationships may have already shrunk by virtue of the pandemic. And I think your question's a good one. Do we miss them? Do we want to rekindle? Or have we kind of found a new balance that makes sense? You know, Sharon, what what you said just there that surprised me was the question, how am I essential to other people? Because that's like, who needs needs me? Mm -hmm. And not just about what and who do I need and what's essential to me. And I I love that you said that. I wasn't expecting you to say that when we're kind of talking about self-care, but yeah, there are people who need us. And there are folks that I think those are life-giving connections. If I think about someone like my grandmother who's no longer living, but I, I think about how she was able to be present for people and provide something modest, but really, really warm. You know, I wonder who do I who do I offer something similar to? Have I reached out to them? How have I done that? Not for the big parade, but just to say you matter. You know, who, who do I let know that matters? And who do I matter to? Again, I think it feels quite small, but quite profound. And maybe we have had some lessons in how small gestures of kindness go a very, very long way. And Sharon, I think that is a beautiful place to end on this uh, conversation about relationships and how we protect what is so the most important thing as we move forward in these next weeks and months. So thank you so much. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.